Hello, educators and friends of educators. Welcome to the After School Talk podcast, where we discuss hot button issues in education and search for possible solutions. A podcast for educators by educators. This podcast is sponsored by The Right Effect. That's R-I-T-E Effect. The Right Effect provides an educational approach with a twist. At The Right Effect, educators learn how to use interventions implemented through school-based extracurricular activities to promote school belonging, academic motivation, and positive school culture. Check out The Right Effect at www.therighteffect.com. Again, that's www.therighteffect.com. And follow him on Instagram at The Right, right Effect. I'm your host, Dr. Dukes, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow educator, Mr. Dukes. Not only are we married, but we also have a combined 15 years of experience in education. We want to say thank you for listening and please subscribe to our podcast, The After School Talk. All right, just got phone my mom. She's about to go to a consignment shop, her and her friends. This is retired life. Retired life is dope, just in case y'all wanted to know. And she she called me to see what outfits she needs to look for for the grandbaby. Uh, we have a six-year-old daughter, and she is my mother's twin. And whatever money that my parents were going to leave to me, I think it's probably already been spent on my baby. So, because I just, I don't know, find me some other parents and somebody adopt me and love me. Because all their love goes to the grandbaby now. <laughs> And she is a first grader, and we are learning how to come home and do homework. And the (laughs) third day of my baby coming home to do her homework, she looked at me and said, Mommy, let's just get it over with. Girl, (laughs) you are right. You are absolutely right. Let's just get it over with. Sometimes that's how it goes in school. You're just trying to survive. And on top of that, then I got a friend who... um, He's in a PhD program for school counseling, or for counselors, not just school counselors, but for counselors in general. And he sent me a message and was like, I don't like to read or write anymore. <laughs> and if you've ever been through a doctor, going through grad school period, I think makes you hate reading and writing for a moment. It It is a form of academic hazing that happens at the graduate level that should be illegal. Illegal. <laughs> Y'all want to talk about hazing in other organizations. Huh? Look at the look at the college as a whole. <laughs> That's what the A's when it's happening. Um, but today's episode is going to be a solo episode, uh, giving me a chance to talk about how my research got started in my doctoral program and how it led to the right effect. It is not a happy story. Um, it has its happy moments, but it really was formed out of a, a tragic situation that has shaped how I view education it has uh completely transformed my research and the reason why i go so hard for um extracurricular activities and things for students outside of the classroom and cultivating the whole student it um is definitely in the top three experiences of my life that was that was a traumatic experience definitely uh you know i think anytime you have a trauma one of the healing processes is to figure out how to use this as a purpose. We see that with uh, several things that's happened in the news. There are 
parents from the Sandy Hook school shooting or Trayvon Martin's mother or Eric Gardner's family who they have become activists and found a purpose within the tragedy. And for me, I see why. I see how finding a purpose can add to the healing and add to the self-care and the mental health because we all need that. I'm learning this, I can definitely say this past month has been an experience where I'm realizing my friends are going through mental health issues. And I thought I was by myself. So to get, you know, one of my friends sent me a mental health check, like a wellness check on everybody the other day, just doing a wellness check. Everybody, okay, yes, check on me. And I'm going to check on you because we need each other. We have to support each other. We have to find our purposes in life that keep us going, keep us motivated, despite the different things that will happen in our lives that discourage us or get us down. We have to keep pushing. So this, this particular story starts with me working at a high school. And I was at a, a urban high school, majority African-American students. Uh, felt like a little mini HBCU in my life. <laughs> uh, and I met a student on the probably second week of school. Came up to me in the cafeteria. And just a little background about my position. I'm not a school counselor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an administrator. Um, I'm, I'm not an administrative assistant. My, my I was a graduation coach slash intervention specialist. Probably the two worst titles you could give at a job with a, with students because students understand teacher, counselor, principal. Who is the intervention graduation what? <laughs> and truth be told, the I don't think anybody knew really what, what it was supposed to be, but that would be for another podcast. But this student came up to me and he said, hey, ain't you the lady supposed to help us with college? Um, sir. <laughs> So, me, with my sarcastic mouth, I look back at him. I said, who college you supposed to go to? So, he looked like, who? <laughs> he said, why you say that? I said, boy, look at your hair. <laughs> just like my grandma. Something my grandma out of Kentucky would say. And uh, he just bust out laughing because he was, I think he was trying to get locks at the end of the day. And if you're in, in black culture, sometimes what boys will do to get locks is put rubber bands around their hair and do like these little balls, we call them. But he had all different kind of color rubber bands, a rainbow going on. Gave me a little Wu-Tang Clan ODB vibe. <laughs> and so we laughed and he talked about how his dad been complaining about his hair. And I said, well, I guess you're just trying to get through the process. And he was like, yeah, that's one, you know, I think it look good. Okay, you like it, I love it. <laughs> so uh, over the course of a few months, we talked back and forth. Uh, between me and his counselor, he was in one of our offices. Go to her, look at the transcript, look at the grades, this, this, this. Come to me to ask me about the aspect of college and those things because he was interested in going to HBCU. So I was ready. Listen, all I need is a kid to say they want to HBCU and I am there. I am which one you want to know about. Um, having a degree in higher education is a plus, but also that I tried to do my best of whatever assignments we had. I did my, my assignments on HBCUs because nobody else was going to talk about it. I even had a professor one time. I was like, oh, what's an HBCU? How are you a professor in the in the College of Education, teaching higher education, and you don't even know what HBCU stands for? If y'all can see my face, you already know. But he was ready, ready. You know, grades look pretty good. Um, just getting ready for the SAT, ACT, and looking for a scholarship as possible in the sport he played. And, you know, the typical... Typical things we see happening for senior year. So, um, I think it was right before my birthday was coming up. And 
always talking to me every day in the cafeteria because I would come in there and just kind of being that that was my first year there, being in the cafeteria gives you a chance to walk around, talk to the different students, meet different people, and really get a, a sense of the culture of the school. The cafeteria will tell you the culture of the school. Absolutely. Good good space to go in and, and catch the vibe. What's the vibe of the school? What do I feel when I walk into here? So um, one day we were talking in, and I mentioned that my birthday was coming up, and he said, oh, for your birthday, um, I'm going to bring you $5. I said, you ain't got $5. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I said, well, you're going to forget anyway. You ain't going to bring me bring me $5. He said, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember it's your birthday. I said, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Just teasing. And my birthday comes around. Maybe a few, like I said, it was really, it's coming around. And one of the teachers, the coworkers that was next door to me, she came in. She said, your kid over there um, in trouble. And I'm going to explain to you the term kid when you work at a school that's especially predominantly African-American, there is a culture of my kids at the school, uh, <laughs> at the school that I worked at, I worked at where you knew which teacher to call for whatever kid is something good or bad was to happen. It doesn't matter because we developed like where we didn't birth these kids, but they were like ours. Oh, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's, that's what, how we were taught. So at this moment, uh Oh, it's time for me to be in mama mode. What you mean? <laughs> he in trouble. Okay. So, uh, and on my birthday, you, you think about how your mama would feel when you get in trouble and it's her day. So you going to act up and I got to, I got to act up too on my day. That's how, you know, that's why I was, that's how I was going to approach the situation. So I walk over to the hall. I go in, see what office he's sitting in and I'm ready to see him sitting there with his head down. Cause that's typically the stance of, uh oh, I'm in trouble. I walk into the office and I give him that look, that side eye look, where I'm trying to get the, the the speech ready in my head to give him. And he looks at me, jumps up. Oh my goodness, I had all five dollars, but I lost two of them when I got into it with that guy outside. So I just got three dollars for you. I, what's it? <laughs> Y'all, you know when your mama wants to fuss at you, but she can't because it's just too funny. That was me. I started laughing. He tries to hand me the $3. Now they hit $3 out of his hand like, <laughs> no, you're in trouble. We're supposed to be having a moment like they do on the TV. Like, you, you upset, I fuss, you apologize, and then we hug, and then you go back to your life. Whatever it is that's on TV, that's what I thought was supposed to happen, but it didn't happen that way. He, <laughs> being the person he is, like I said, he's a, he was a man of his word kind of student, very loyal, uh, the, the laughter in the room, the fun person. So that's that's exactly how he responded to me. And uh, it was funny. And I always have that in my memories of a good, of a good moment. But it really, after that day, kind of spiraled down for him. Because getting into that situation gave him a negative aspect of what his future was going to look like. Because it threw him off track of what he wanted to do. And... For a while, we really had to just talk about getting back on track, not getting down, not thinking that this is it, this is over, I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. It's early on in the school year. I've, I've seen kids in the, the final hour, you know, find the college and still and make the payment and get the housing or whatever it is they have to do or find the job or get into the military, whatever it is, you still have time. Let's get back focused. And so in particular, two straight days he came to talk to me. I mean, the tears in his eyes, just, we were going through and just trying to build that encouragement. And 
I feel like we were making progress, even talking to um his coaches. Like, you, you know, he came to talk to me after he talked to you. And, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. Okay, good. Okay, great. Feeling good. So, third day rolls around, and um, the secretary in the office stopped me and said, hey, he came to see you today, but you already had a student. So, he said he'll just come back, you know, one of the last periods of the day. Okay, no problem. Um, I get home, eat dinner. Me and my husband and my child go to bed. Didn't even click in my head. He never had. He never came back to my office to talk to me, which is typical. Sometimes kids just run in there and they just, they just want to say hey, or they trying to skip class. They just want to try to hang around. <laughs> so you have to run them out your office. But so I didn't think nothing of the fact that he didn't come come back to the office. But um, in probably around it was late, y'all. I, in my mind, I feel like it was after midnight. All I know is that I was asleep, and my husband woke me up and said somebody killed him. Even now, I don't know how to process that. I didn't know how to process it when, when he said it. Is that, like how I'm at a loss of words right now, that's how I was. Like, what do you, what? And first step was denial. Absolutely. Not true. And my husband's like, no, I'm serious. One of the co-workers just texted me. Well, I'm sure somebody would have texted me or called me. We work at the same place. So, okay, whatever. And kind of sat there thinking about it. And I decided to do what millennials do. I'm going to get on social media. Somebody would have made a post. It's going to be a tweet or an Instagram or a Facebook. Somebody would have said something if this is true. And I looked, looked, searched. And right when I found somebody who made a comment, I got a phone call, and the person was just crying. Crying. Could not get any words out of her mouth. She is just crying. Okay. You know how something will happen, and it'll trigger you to go mode? That's what happened. There was no sadness, no anger. I was like, okay, what we gotta do? Because looking back, I'm going to block out whatever emotion I'm trying to have. And I'm going to direct my attention to the students. So it was a uh, a coping skill, I guess you say. Not necessarily a good one, but it was a coping skill I used. And we were on uh, a holiday. So it happened that night. And that next day was a holiday at the school. So we didn't have to go to school. But then the next day we was going to have to go. That was the only saving grace was that we was on holiday. Because I think had we went back within 24 hours, it would have been 10 times worse than it was. I've been at a school before where a student died through the night. And then when you get to school the next day and more students are finding out and you're walking the halls, walking past their locker, sitting in the classroom where they were sitting at, you know, the teacher's trying to keep it together. And it's just it's the saddest experience ever. These as friends, especially when you don't have time. Like you gotta think, you may have found something out at midnight, and then six a.m. you're getting up, getting ready to go to school, and you have to process this while you're in the building. And I think the thing that is people miss is how we we do it. We do it as adults. I just said I did it. I was trying to process how the kids are gonna process it. How can I help them? Blah, blah, blah. And I never took time out to process for myself. So then, when you find yourself curled up in a ball somewhere, it's because you were just going through the motions to to 
ignore what really happened. To ignore that a, a student was was killed, and not only just killed, but shot and killed. A, a student was shot and killed. Say that. Say that out loud and think about what that feels like to say that you had a student shot and killed. It's not the same as a student who something happening got in a car accident. It is a violent crime, and we have to process this now. Because one thing we know is that the kids are not unfamiliar with that, but now it's somebody they know. Now it's somebody you know who you just talked to maybe 24 hours ago that in your minds, everything was great and the future was bright. So as we get back to the school, is extra counselors are now there. You know, people are just rallying around each other to show support. And what was special is that you saw students get to school and go find their mom, their school mom, their school dad to talk to. Um, and I'm grown. I still had my school dad at school. And I went right with the kids. <laughs> I went right in his office, right, just like they did, to, to hear some words so that I could pass on the same messages to other kids. Because in my mind, he was the person closest to this student. So if he's here, and if he's okay, we all going to be okay. That was the mentality. He's okay, everybody's okay. We're all going to be okay. We're all in this together. And still didn't take time to process. Because now the next thing is we need to do something tribute for him in school. We need to do some type of tribute for him in school. Because you could feel the vibe in the hallway. It was as if somebody whispered in every kid's ear to come to school, to be quiet, and not cause any problems because it's been a long day or something happened. You know how uh, similar to if your mom knew something happened and mom was sad or something, so everybody just kind of tried to be quiet in the house, not cause any problems. That's how you felt like the school was going. Just, just quiet. And we decided to do a balloon release for him in the football stadium. And I can remember as we were getting the balloons together and blowing them up and struggling and the helium tank wasn't working. And I'm tired of tying balloons up because we're trying to do one for every kid in the building. That I could feel him sitting in my office like he normally would going, you know this don't look right, right? Like, y'all ain't going to get all these balloons blown. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Stop. Let's do what you can j- just, put the, just put it down. And I, I told the students, like, I felt, you know, I telling them, like, I feel like he ain't here laughing at us. And they all died laughing, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there like this. No. Just do something else. Light a candle, because this is not working. Uh, but his, it was funny, because the team actually came together and figured out uh, how to do the memorial. And what they did was they lined the field in the uh, shape or what is it called when you in the shape I guess you say of his numbers like that was their position so they all lined up in the shape of his numbers and they all held a balloon and then this, we brought all the students in the building out into the stadium um had a few teammates and friends to read poems or letters that they would say to him and what was unique is I want you to think about when you bring students together and for a pep rally when they're all in the cafeteria in the hallway it's some of the loudest moments ever it is the oh <laughs> it's just kids just yell. Just no reason. They just want to yell. We got into that stadium, and you could have heard a piece of cotton roll across the grass. It was silent. Not one kid did anything, and I was I was really surprised because I said somebody gonna get in here and play around and do something and mess up what's going on, and, and then another kid's gonna be mad because that's it, their friend, and you're not taking it seriously. Mm-mm, none of that. None of that. And 
to watch students watch the upperclassmen who are the leaders of the school, who are the ones running the campus, cry and say words of endearment. And we even had one one student who she couldn't even let her balloon go when it was time for the release. She just stood there holding on to the balloon. And in that moment, I said, this is way bigger than just another black boy dying. Because what we want to do is paint the picture that this is an isolated incident and, you know, discipline is not bad at the school or this, you know, it was just, just this time. But it's one time is too many. That's the whole problem. That's And hence why I was shook. Wait a minute. So y'all have had this happen before? And not just, not at, not when I mean by y'all had this happen before, we're, we're talking about across the span of education. One, for this district, but two, just go, go hop a district over. Hop a district over. Go for it. Like, keep going. Like, it happens. And when it happens, we process it and we figure out a place to, for healing. But then I, me, okay, we can heal. I'm good. I need change. And I also need change. I need something to happen. I need some way for us to figure out how we're going to make this better. And we, we thought of different little things and ways to kind of help the help the students learn about gun violence and learn about delinquent behavior and all those kind of things. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. Because one thing I can tell you is just like the mass shootings or the killings um, with police officers, the police brutality. After the video is over and after we all are in shock, this there is only a portion that continues to fight for the change. Some people become desensitized. They become used to it. That's what's going to happen. It, it Get over it. So what we were thinking of wasn't really affecting the masses like I wanted it to, right? So now, we get to the point where I believe in my heart, one philosophy is that if a student has an, a caring adult in the building that they have a relationship with, if they're involved in some type of school-based extracurricular activity, and if they have academic motivation, they stand a greater chance of not dropping out, of, of uh, having a good attendance, a good attendance rate, and graduating from school and becoming a successful citizen, right? Or a productive citizen. Because success looks different depending on who you are. So at least a productive citizen. He hit all those requirements. He hit every one of them. So what happened? What happened? What went wrong? That, when it came time for me to do my doctoral research and our professors are pushing you to figure out the problem of practice so you can do your action research on da 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 I'm like, problem of practice right there. That's my problem. That we can establish these things because that's, that, that's what I was doing at the school. That's what I, that, well, that's what I was known for. I can establish some extracurricular activities that's going to create you a greater bond with an adult in the building in an area that you're interested in and therefore you'll become more academically motivated and boom didn't work right there something's missing and that's where my research and the right effect took off and that's where I want to utilize the platforms that I have to discuss what I really feel can make a difference if you just give it a chance. We'll give anything a chance in education. Y'all want to do differentiated instruction. You want to have co-talk classrooms and, and inclusion rooms. 
Um, you want to use ActiVotes. You want to have students sit in pairs. You want to have the teachers go home and do data every night to see how they're going to group their students the next day. But, baby, sometimes something got to happen outside of that. Pythagorean theorem is the Pythagorean theorem. We can't change that. But let's work on some other stuff that we can develop and change it to fit the culture of our students. And therefore, they'll adapt to what we want them to be, what we know will help them in the future. The ways that we know to get them outside of that idea of I have to be in the streets. This is where my loyalty lies. These are the people of my friends. Because see, what happens is students will choose a rite of passage if you don't have one for them. And the rite of passage they choose may be led by somebody who is only going to lead them to the grave or jail. There has to be a reality. It has to be reality that your student can end up dead or in jail. Because if you do not believe that, if you don't really believe that, you will allow them to keep doing things and participating in things and not having a space for them that distracts them from that environment. And that's the whole point. I want to distract you from making a mistake and causing me to have to relive a tragedy of losing a student. So I want you guys to think about that, ponder it. I hope you appreciate me sharing that with you. Um, I really don't talk about it much. Uh, I talked about it for my dissertation, and that was it. I didn't want to be in that space at all. But I know it's necessary. Um, My advisor, who once he heard about it, was, this is it. Sometimes tragedy can bring about greatness and that student's life is worth and was worth um, continuing the research and continuing to spread this idea with other schools. So continue to tune into the podcast, subscribe to it, share it with other educators. Uh, follow us at The Right Effect, R-I-T-E, um, on Instagram. And also go to the webpage and follow us um, and subscribe to our webpage. That way you can get emails about future blog posts and things we have coming. Because we're going to break down the right effect and what all it, it has. Um, all the elements that's a part of the right effect. Because there are elements to it. And go with you on how we use the right effect to uh, create this this culture of academic excellence and leadership and a sense of belonging and community within the school. But using it through extracurricular activities. That was all that was the whole purpose. I look forward to talking to you guys later. I'm gonna go do something with my life. I don't know. Just maybe do a little self care. <laughs> all right, bye bye.